Welcome, everybody, to the Hardwood Hogs podcast. I am your host, Jackson Collier, JC Hoops. Uh, we're switching things up on y'all today. Uh, Mason is not doing the intro. I'm taking the lead here because I know more about bas- basketball than Mason. Not really. No, uh, but You do, though. That's the thing. I, you do. That's why I'm like, hey, let's just let Jackson run the show. Yeah. Anyway, you know my co-host here, Mason Choate, uh, managing editor and all that good stuff over at hogbeat.com, uh, part of the Rivals Network. Got some great stuff going on over there. Mason's already diving into baseball coverage. He's still helping out with basketball coverage. I'm still full-time on the basketball beat right now. Plenty of stuff to talk about today. Obviously, Arkansas uh, just lost uh pretty, I'm not going to say heartbreaking fashion, but it, was, it, it sucks the way that the game ended up. Uh, they had a 12-point lead uh, at the end of the first half uh, on the road at Texas A&M, give up a last-second three in the first half. A&M cuts it to nine, and it's really all A&M from there on the way to winning by six. It's just not a great way to close the game, not a great way to close the half, and kind of a repeating theme with this team of giving up double-digit leads on the road. Yeah, no, I mean – it's just kind of a situation where, and Eric Musselman said this too, is just like, you know, we've got to figure out a way to make this not happen. Like that you can't, you just can't let that happen. Especially you look back to the Missouri game. Like that is a very winnable game. You know, that's a game. I I look at it as like, these are games that you should win. Like the A&M game, you should have won that game. You can't only have three points in the last six minutes of the game. That just can't happen. Like in in those three points come on a, a a three point play from Anthony Black where he hits the layup and you know gets a free throw. The thing that was crazy to me and I wrote this in my takeaway story over at Hogbeat.com was, of all those shots in the last six minutes where Arkansas had just three points, the only shot that was not a three pointer was the one that Black made and he converted the three point play. Eric Musselman said like we're not a three point shooting team. I think everybody who watches Arkansas basketball realizes like this is not a three-point shooting team. Devo Davis, yes, he's he's been hot of late from three, but he missed four of the, I think it was seven threes there in the last six minutes. So it's like they they just can't do that. I don't know. I mean, like from your perspective, like why were they taking all those threes? Was it just because they were open or why weren't they just trying to like do go to the bread and butter, throw it to the paint and lay it up off the glass? That is a million-dollar question that I have no idea how to answer because that hasn't been Arkansas's game all season. You know, I was doing some research last night. Uh, I posted this on Twitter, but, you know, over the last two minutes, Arkansas was one of four from the free throw line. Uh, their last 10 field goal attempts throughout the, the second half, so the last 10 field goal attempts of the game, they were two out of 10, and five of their 13 turnovers came in the final 10 minutes of the game including a couple there where one of them was an inbounds pass and one of them was with like a minute, minute and a half left and just the ball just thrown away. I mean, not not a good way to close the game. I, I don't understand the shot selection at all. I mean, it wasn't just that – it wasn't like they were even open threes. Uh, a few of them were even just contested step backs, like not early in the shot clock, like not even good shots when you're winning, not even good shots early in the game. Like they were just bad shots. 
Uh, Ricky Council had had one. There's like 20 seconds left in the shot clock. He at the top of the key stepped back uh, with a hand in his face. Terrible shot, and Musselman was losing his mind on the sideline. Um, and I mean, there's like a minute, minute and a half left, and they're down. They, you we work the ball, and you try to score. You don't just settle for a contested three point jump shot. I mean, I don't understand a team that is. If the, I mean, at one point they were like a half of a percentage point better than last year's team for, on the season for for three point percentage. That's probably I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked at it since like a few games ago, but it's right there with one of the worst shooting teams in the Musselman era. It's like either the worst or the second worst shooting team under Eric Musselman at Arkansas, and it's not particularly close and. They're shooting, like you said, seven, eight, whatever it was, threes to end the game in a close contest on the road when it's a low-scoring game as is. Made no sense. No sense whatsoever. I don't understand. They got to the line 14 times. That's not as much as they normally do, but that's not uh, an insignificant number. They could have kept driving. They could have gotten more free throws. And outside of, unfortunately, Ricky Council and Devontae Davis combining to go 0 of 4 from the free throw line, the rest of the team was 7 of 10. So, I mean, you finish with a 7 of 14 line, but outside of those two guys missing four late, it's not a terrible performance on the free throw line. Uh, I, I'm with you. Feed it inside. Try to attack the rim and, and try to get to the free throw line. That's been, you know, this team, this program's identity under Eric Musselman since he took over. And years ago a few years ago so i don't understand why this team went away from that when it needed to embrace it yeah so we did a story over at hogbeat.com um i'm trying to figure out exactly so this was on january 13th so of course they've played a lot of games since then and they've had a little bit more success from three especially you know devo davis he's he's come along a little bit but they i mean like at that point they were uh they were on pace to shoot 28.4% from three, which would be uh, worse, the worst mark in program history uh, since the three-point line like came into existence in college basketball. So it's just they're not a great three-point shooting team under Eric Musselman, but you kind of mentioned it in your intro, and I, I want to bring this up. The play there at the end of the first half where Hefner hits the three and – so it, it cuts Arkansas's lead from 12 to 9 going into the break. And it, you're thinking at that point, okay, you know, Arkansas's still up by 9. They're going to – it's going to be fine. You know, 9, it's still a comfortable lead. But the momentum that comes from that shot, AM comes out in the second half. And I, I – what was it? They hit like three threes. They had a three-point play. And before the first media timeout could even happen, Eric Musselman had to call a timeout because his team his team was down. They they had blown the entire lead. They were down thirty eight to thirty seven, and Musselman, who rarely ever calls a timeout, has to call a timeout before they can even get to the media timeout. They couldn't make it four minutes before they had already lost their lead. I mean that that's the game right there. Even though at you know Arkansas, you know they eventually they got into. Or they got up to a five-point lead after that. You know, they they stuck around. And then, as I mentioned, that stretch there at the, the end of the second half, it's just like, I don't know, Jackson. Like, everybody's like, why did Nick Smith Jr. not play? Eric Musselman gives an answer that didn't really tell why Nick Smith Jr. didn't play. I mean, like, I get what he's saying. 
you know, the the situation. It's a close game. It's a road game. He's only played, uh, you know, a select games. He hasn't played a road game. Do you think that that was the factor of like, hey, we don't want to throw this guy into this situation? Because like when I think of that, I'm like, okay, well, he's going to be a lottery pick. Like, shouldn't he be able to do that? You know that I, I don't know. See, I that whole situation confused me. The answer confused me. The the lack of minutes for Nick Smith confused me. And I'll touch on this, and I'm releasing my weekly hoops mailbag. It'll be published over at hogbeat.com uh, tomorrow. And this is one of the questions I got. Uh, why didn't Nick Smith play in the second half? Why did he only play four minutes? And, you know, one of the things that I talked about on this podcast was that with Nick Smith's return, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be able to give some of those guys in the backcourt a breather, give them a break, so they're not logging as many minutes. Well, last night, Nick Smith plays four minutes. Devo Davis plays 39. Anthony Black plays 38, and Ricky Council plays 36. I know the whole philosophy is under Eric Musselman that these are college kids; they're only playing one to two games a week. Um, they're not playing 48 minute games like in the NBA multiple times a week and they're young and they have their legs. I understand that to a degree, but at the same time, we're nearing the end of a very physical conference schedule where these guys are battling not only through nagging injuries, which have been well-documented by Musselman in his press conferences, um, but also they're they're playing through these injuries and playing 35 plus minutes a game. Now I think that fatigue, playing through the injuries and playing so many minutes, I think that fatigue was kind of showing itself last night a bit. Guys weren't hitting shots. They weren't finishing at the rim. A lot of the shots fell short or they were overcompensating and they were just not even close and clanging off the backboard or the back of the rim, whatever. Devontae Davis and Ricky Council combined to shoot eight out of 25 from the field. That's just not that's not winning basketball. And I think for a team that was struggling so much offensively, you really could have benefited from having somebody like a Nick Smith on the floor. I understand there's going to be some rust uh, because you don't just have a guy come back to an SEC game off of however long he was gone. I mean, he played 17 minutes against Mississippi State and I'm not going to say he looked great. He had energy and he had a, a big three at one point and finished with what five points that game um but i'm not and i'm not even going to say that he looked great in his four minutes against texas a&m or even that he looked good but i think he needs to at least have the opportunity to develop some sort of rhythm um develop some sort of chemistry and cohesion in a game scenario because practice is one thing you can you can go out there and practice as much as you want and as intense as practices can be you're never going to replicate a game situation. Uh, you're never going to be able to replicate, replicate uh, game time conditioning uh, in a practice setting. So there's so many different factors that you can only improve his, I guess, performance by letting him go out there and play. And I guess on on one hand, if it's a close game, you don't want to say, oh, we're going to let him play through those mistakes and get back in the swing of things when we still have a chance to win this game which is, I think, kind of the mindset he Musselman probably had was, well, you know, it's a close game, and we're I, while he should get some cohesiveness, he should get some run, whatever, we still have an opportunity to win this game without him, played four minutes in the first half, had a nine-point lead. Like, let, let's just go out there and let's, let's not make this be the game that he tries to shake the rust off. Counter-argument, though, is if everybody else is tired, 
and not really playing that well, you have a, a potential lottery pick on the bench that you can you can try to use to help you out. And another factor in in all of this was that you, I mean, two of your guys who you're trying to get a lot of minutes out in Mikel Mitchell and Jordan Walsh were in foul trouble. Uh, both of them fouled out in the game, and you know Jalen Graham plays five minutes. I here's the thing, Jackson. We continue to see this on Twitter. We continue to see it on the message board, the trough. Uh, let's just let's just break it down here. Why is Jalen Graham not playing? It just Eric Musselman has answered the question plenty of times. So let's just uh, get the answer from Jackson Collier, the JC Hoops. I I don't even know honestly. It's I understand what Eric Musselman's answer is, but you watch a game and in however many minutes he played in the first half last night, he came in and immediately scored four points. I think he grabbed a rebound, and then even when he wasn't recording rebounds, you you watch with your eyes, eye test. He's boxing people out and allowing his teammates to get rebounds. And he's not – he didn't seem like a defensive liability. He, he was playing fine enough defense, and defense wasn't the issue at all yesterday anyway. I mean, you allow a team to score under 70 points on, on their home floor, more often than not, when you're a team like Arkansas that shoots a lot of free throws and typically puts up points, you think you have a good shot to win, and Arkansas did. But the issue that Arkansas ran into was they couldn't put up points themselves. And Jalen Graham, you've talked about it before. He's a high usage guy. Whenever he's on the floor, you know, they go straight to him. More often than not, he produces. It's it's just how it works out. You know, they, they say, oh, he, or Musselman has said, you know, he doesn't rebound well enough. He doesn't defend well enough. All these things. I didn't see that last night. I mean, we were, we we're recording this on a Thursday. Um, game was last night on a Wednesday. Wednesday night, I did not see any defensive liability. I did not see any any issues with rebounding. You can look at the box score and see, oh, he only had however many rebounds. I don't care. He was boxing people out. He was allowing teammates to get rebounds. You got to factor that into it too. If he's get, if he's taking control of his man, taking his man out of the play and allowing for somebody else to get a rebound, that counts. And that is, it counts for a team statistic. And I think that that matters more than any individual statistic, regardless of position. So I don't know why he's not playing. I think the offense is better with him on the floor. I think, honestly, I mean, I think the offense has been good with both Mitchell twins on the floor at the same time. But I think then if you bring in Graham for one of them, give them some spells, or if one of them gets in foul trouble, the offense is even better when you have Graham and one of the twins because then, you know, Graham can step out to the mid-range. He has that kind of awkward push floater shot that he can hit from up to 12, 14 feet out, but it's money. And then you have a low block guy like a Makai or a Mikel who you can feed and you can run a true high low through both of them. Graham can still score on ISO situations. And one thing that Texas A&M was doing after Makai scored a few times, because he was four for four from the field last night when they were feeding him down low. One thing they started doing was dropping the, uh, a, a man to double team him in the post. Multiple times, Makai would pass it right back out to, to his entry man and they'd do a ball reversal around the perimeter. And they'd get a wide open look for three. Those are the threes that they they hit. I think you add Jalen Graham to the mix, you play him more. Not only is he a more feared offensive threat for opponents than Makai Mitchell, he can score probably on some of those double teams, which are really 
open up things because they while Texas A&M was bringing the double team, it wasn't a super aggressive double team. So uh, after the reversals a couple times, you know, they kind of hesied or they they faked the double team, whatever, so that they could get back and recover on the, the perimeter passing. You can't really fake that that drop down with a Jalen Graham who has such a strong spin move. He can spin right to the middle if you fake that double team coming down from the from the top of the key and he'll just shoot a left-handed hook over you. I think you you got to implement that more because that just leads to more open looks that they were actually hitting instead of the contested threes they ended up taking all throughout the end of the game. Let me do a quick ad read and then I got a question for you. All right, Bet Saracen. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, you know that we are brought to you by Bet Saracen. Bet Saracen is the mobile sports gambling app of the Saracen Casino Resort. I love Bet Saracen. I use Bet Saracen. Uh, I. I'm just not good at betting NBA. It's just how it is. <laughs> um, that's on me. That's not on Bet Saracen because they always have a lot of great options over there, including uh, they got plenty of specials, player props for Arkansas games. It's one thing that you get from being in the state of Arkansas and using Bet Saracen is you get those special uh, bets for Arkansas games, including one that I said to bet for the Texas A&M game. I, it was Makai Mitchell, Mikel Mitchell, and Jordan Walsh to combine for 20 plus rebounds. Honestly, it should have hit, you know, I I'm considering not counting it towards our record, but I'm going to do it. We're on the road to 500 over on the bet Saracen story getting close. We did hit one bet and it was Anthony black over four and a half assists. He had eight. So look, 50% you'll take it all day, you know? So uh, go to bet Saracen, get the app, the Google play store, the app store It is a great app. It's probably the best mobile sports gambling app in the state of Arkansas because I've heard bad things about other ones. So get Bet Saracen today. All right, Jackson. Um, were you surprised to see Arkansas only drop one spot in the net rankings? I, I'm just like genuinely curious because I don't know. Actually, no, I wasn't all that surprised this late in the season, plus it being a road quad one game uh, and being a close game. I wasn't all that surprised. I thought maybe two spots, but one spot didn't really surprise me all that much. So with the Razorbacks, they're sitting at 21 in the net rankings, which, I mean, realistically, I guess that's really what matters. You know, why are we going to look at any other ranking? Unless you're unless you're going to read my scouting report for uh, that I do on hogbeat.com. I put all of the rankings in there. If you want to see all of the rankings, you can go look at that. Uh, but, I mean, 21 – do you feel good about that? Because uh, now you're looking at you got Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky. Where do you think they're going to finish there in the net rankings? Because I feel like 21 is just I don't know if they can you know maintain that. Uh, I bet they'll finish top 25. You know, it's one of those things where you look ahead to Florida and Georgia the next two games coming up. And you would hope that they can win both of those games. Florida, Colin Castleton, their star big man, he'll be out with a broken hand, um, unfortunately. I mean, he's a great basketball player, really unfortunate injury for him. Um, beneficial to Arkansas, I guess, that Florida will be without their best player. Still a tough enough matchup, but you hope Arkansas can beat Florida and Georgia. Those wins probably won't move the needle too much. They might jump up to 20 or 19 again. Uh, they're both home games. I don't think either one of them is a quad one. Florida might be a quad two, and Georgia's probably quad three. Then you get into the, that final three-game stretch. You know, like two Alabama, 
to Tennessee and home against Kentucky. Um, if you keep it close in the two uh, Alabama and Tennessee games, even if you lose, if you keep it respectable, you keep it close, you play efficient basketball, because the net doesn't operate on scoring margin anymore. It's it's more efficiency. Efficiency and scoring margin tend to overlap a little bit. So, But anyway, perform well, keep it close. You're not going to drop all that much, and same goes for Kentucky. Um, ideally, Arkansas will sweep at least their home games remaining, go 3-0 and at home, they'll still be squarely in the NCAA tournament. You mentioned the only reason to look at the kind of the other rankings and statistics is for your scouting report. I would argue if you ever want to get into bracketology like me, uh, who I am releasing uh, weekly bracketology updates now. First one dropped uh, last week. Uh, Another one will drop this coming week. Uh, You got to analyze all the data. That's net rankings, quad wins uh you got the sagarin analytics which is a predictive metrics essentially the same as basketball power index ken palm then you have strength of record and like all all these different metrics and formulas and spreadsheets and i'm kind of a nerd for it it's really cool um really fun to do but um arkansas should finish top 25 barring like a disastrous collapse to the season and even if it's a a bad collapse i still think top 30 but i mean a collapse would mean not ncaa tournament either though potentially that's fair you know i i'm okay with that i i think that you know i can agree with what you said uh you are a nerd you know that's that's the one thing that i agree with and everything that you just said but as far as this team moving forward eric Musselman was asked if he if he's worried you know like or I, i can't remember the exact question but it seems like there's it's less of a worry and more of a and he said this last week we don't have time to figure this out they don't this is the wrong time to be figuring this out like do you think this is more of a you know arkansas lost to mississippi state arkansas lost to texas a&m that's just you know how the cookie crumbled they just lost those games uh things didn't go their way or do you think it's a nick smith is back and we're having to reshuffle things and refigure things out. That's a tough question because, you know, on the surface, and I said, I've said this before and I still stand by, like anytime you have the chance to add a potential lottery draft pick to your team, you're going to take that chance, even if that involves some reshuffling and stuff. I think at that point though, it's on the players to accept it. Um, you know, some guys might have roles that change a little bit with Nick Smith coming back or Nick Smith might, like we've seen so far, might not be playing the role that he was playing before he got injured. So I think it's difficult of a situation. I, I'm glad I'm not the one that has to deal with it. I'm glad that is Eric Musselman's job because I, I can't imagine how difficult it would be. But um, it's just one of those things. It, it's hard to really say one way or the other because I think you can say yes to both like you can say yeah that that might have messed up chemistry a little bit and that might be why they're kind of faltering down the down the stretch can also say uh didn't really have anything to do with it because you look at the losses and it's followed the same trend that was happening before Nick Smith came back you give up a lead uh on the road a double digit lead on the road um you don't score in the second half um you're not making shots um against Mississippi State it was not being able to score not defending well at times 
and, and all this sort of stuff. And those are two teams, Texas A&M and Mississippi State, who are kind of playing at a higher level um, right now, at least, than some of the teams that Arkansas beat on their five-game SEC win streak. I mean, they beat – they obviously won on the road at Kentucky, which is a big win, and they beat Texas A&M at home. So you kind of split the A&M series, uh, pretty evenly divided series there. But you look at the others, I mean, what was it, South Carolina, uh, on, on the road at South Carolina, uh, Texas A&M at home, on the road at Kentucky. There was two more, obviously, in that that stretch. It was Ole Miss, wasn't it, at home? And I'm trying to remember the fifth. I don't have the schedule pulled up in front of me. But it, it wasn't like the strongest competition in the SECs, I guess, with the point I'm trying to make. Texas A&M in second place in the SEC right now, Mississippi State, before they lost to uh, Kentucky, they were on a five or six game uh, SEC win streak as well, or win streak in general, not SEC. Uh, but they beat TCU in the SEC Big 12 Challenge as well. So um, I think the competition level went up too compared to that win streak. And I think I think that's part of it too. Okay, I have, I have two more questions for you, uh, Mr. Collier, and then we'll get off this this podcast. This is from hogbeat.com, you know, from the, the hoops mailbag, which you answer questions to every single question. That's what you get for subscribing to hogbeat.com. This is from P1 Hog. Uh, give me one reason why this team will make the tournament and give me one reason why this team will miss the tournament. One reason Arkansas will make the tournament is because the predictive metrics are so high. Um, you know, the trend in the NCAA tournament selection committee, they have kind of the thinking is that they have weighed those predictive metrics more than resume metrics. So predictive met- metrics are the Ken Palm, Sagarin, and um, um, basketball power index. The resume metrics are um, strength of record and can't remember the other one right now, uh, but what, one of the other metrics, there's a lot of them. Uh, those predictive metrics are typically weighed. There's no transparency as to how much more that's weighed. Uh, a lot of bracketologists will plug in a formula to to do that. That's what I do too. Um, but one reason is those are so high. I mean, you look at all of those, even still Ken Palm, Sagarin, Arkansas's top 25, top 30, and all of those. Um, so it's a good spot to be in, especially when you consider the net ranking is 21 right now. One reason Arkansas will not make the NCAA tournament is because they are not playing great basketball in the second half right now. Uh, you got to play a complete game, especially down the stretch of the season where teams are uh, realizing their tournament hopes are either slipping from their fingers or about to slip from their fingers and teams enter desperation mode. Arkansas is not really in that boat yet. They got to hold home court. Like I said, I think they're safely in as long as they hold home court, but you can't have any slip ups. You can't have Florida, or Georgia come into Bud Walton Arena, really even Kentucky come into Bud Walton Arena, Kentucky might be the scariest one because Kentucky is squarely on the bubble right now. They they probably helped put themselves right back into the conversation as a last four team in and an 11 seed uh, by beating Mississippi State on the road. There's still some games left to the season, and that's the season-ending game. That's, that, that's it for the regular season. It's in Bud Walton Arena between Arkansas and Kentucky, and if Arkansas loses that game, and all their other wins throughout this this stretch are just Florida and Georgia. They are going to be holding their breath on Selection Sunday. 
All right. You heard it from the man himself. Arkansas is not making the NCAA tournament. Right there from Jackson Collier. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, realistically, I think I, – I just don't get the overreaction on social media. I really don't. I mean, everybody freaking out, calling calling for Musselman's head, saying that he's, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. I just – I don't get it. Um, you know, I think that the man has proven himself, you know, what else? I mean, like back-to-back elite eights, that's proving yourself. And then you don't even know what he would have done in his first year because he didn't get the chance. So here you are, you're sitting in a position where this team, you know, is still trying to figure things out. You have a ton of talent, even without Trevor Brazil. Nick Smith Jr. is back. He's only played two games so far and, you, we, nobody has seen the potential of this guy in an Arkansas uniform yet. That's the thing is like, if 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 you reach that potential at the right time, which is very possible, this Arkansas team, I mean, the sky is the limit. So there's a lot of basketball to be played, and uh, I think everybody should just pump the brakes after back to back losses to, as you mentioned earlier, good teams that are playing good basketball, uh, and let's just ride it out. You know, uh, it's also a baseball season, though, so kind of excited about that. Going not on. yet. It's not. Well, there will be a baseball game played before the next basketball game. So technically, is it is it baseball season? Is that game today? Uh, no, it's Friday. Yeah, well, it's not baseball well, season. When people are listening to this podcast, the game will be today. So I can say yes, actually. Okay. Got me on a technicality. They sent me to law school for this stuff, and I got yeah. out by a freaking journo grad. Let's go. That's huge. Um. Okay. Well, hey, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Hardwood Hogs podcast. We really appreciate all of our supporters. Make sure you go to hogbeat.com because everything we're talking about, we put it into more uh, educated terms when we're writing it down because right now we're just thinking off of our stupid heads. Well, my stupid head. Jackson's actually smart. Uh, and then we will, uh, you know, it's it's great content. So make sure you also listen to the Diamond Hogs podcast. And uh, Arkansas's, no, not boo. We're all on the same team here. Uh, and then, uh, so the next game, Florida. Is it one? I think it's a one tip, right? Yeah. I saw Jalen Williams tweet that he's going to be there. So maybe that'll fire up the crowd. You mentioned the Colin Castleton thing. This is a, I mean, it's a must-win game, you know. you got to win the games at home at the very least, as you mentioned. So, 1 p.m. tip, be there at Bud Walton or be there in Arlington to watch the baseball team play, which is what I'm going to be doing. So, anyways, thanks, Jackson, and thank you, everybody, for listening.